Hey, 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 Closet Busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, Bold Move Expert and Coming Out Coach, and I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step in to living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. It is time once again for another episode of Life Uncloseted, and welcome to January. We're, uh, wow, I guess we're almost a couple of weeks into January already, and um, this show's a little bit targeted at a certain group of people. Uh, I felt like it would be really good to go along this permission route that we're going for this month. And well, I really want to talk to gay men. Now that doesn't mean you can't listen if you're not a gay man, because I think every time we do these kind of shows, people can learn anything from anybody in it, regardless of where it's targeted towards. But one of the things that I know for myself as a gay man was, and continues to be finding ways to give myself permission to be who I am, to go do the things I want to do and to not let other people's judgments get in the way. And ironically, I gave myself permission to reach out to somebody that we started following each other on Instagram and social media. And he's a coach. And I just started getting really intrigued with the stuff that he was posting and he's from down under. And then I finally reached out to him and said, Hey, I would love to have you on my podcast. And because we're both coaches and we both um, really talk to the people that are out there on the edges or the fringes. In fact, Enrique, he really focuses on those outlanders, the eccentrics, the odd ones in the world and helps them become more authentic and really live the meaningful lives that they're meant to live. And of course, he loves working in the LGBTQ community and he's a gay man himself. And I just thought, you know what? Let's kick off the year talking about why gay men don't give themselves permission to do stuff and hopefully kick into gear some guys that might be listening to this to say 2019 is the year we're going to do some stuff. So from down under in Australia, I'm bringing my newest friend, Enrique Panamino on to life uncloseted so welcome friend thanks for being here thanks thank you very much rick yeah very excited to be here me too and i i don't remember exactly how we got connected on instagram but i know i think you like me or i liked you and then we started following each other and seeing stuff and actually the thing that piqued my interest was when you recently ran a a men a gay men's workshop like helping guys really step into the who they are and how they want to show up in the world. So is this what, I know you have a corporate gig where you do coaching and stuff, but what was the draw to start going, you know what, I want to do some of this stuff with gay men. What was the big thing that drew you into that? Yeah, but <clears throat> sorry, a lot of what I do stems from, um, you know, my own personal calling um, to use coaching and positive psychology to um, help people who feel different. Um, I focus particularly uh, on the LGBTQ plus community. And basically this idea stems from my own personal experience. And I grew up in El Salvador, which is a very small Central American country. I now live in Sydney, Australia. So people here don't know where El Salvador is. I think in America, <laughs> it's very different. Right. Um, um, but anyway, so what, what happened to me is that um, when I was a teenager, and I realized um, what my sexuality was that was in deep conflict with my community and 
with my, the, the beliefs of my community and uh, the beliefs of society around me. And as a consequence, I was put into con into conversion therapy. I did that for a couple of years, and that brought a lot, a lot of um, anxiety and a sense of hopelessness in my life. And then, you know, eventually, I realized that the only way that I could understand or overcome these issues was um, by going overseas. And I got a scholarship to study in Asia mm -hmm. for a long time. Um, in, and I traveled um, to a lot of countries. And in my travels, I discovered coaching and positive psychology. And that really helped me to um, understand who I was. And I love the process so much that I decided to, you know, make it my my calling and my purpose. And, and you know, I became a coach as a result. So I've always been particularly fond of the issues that um, gay men go through because I went through them myself and the process of change that I went through was so um, fulfilling for me that I decided to help others and this is where the idea of running these workshops come from you know just spaces where men can feel safe to talk about their issues and um, find a better sense of self a better sense of purpose and um, you know to find um, how to be more authentic beings you know, you just hit on something, Enrique, that I think is pretty, it's pretty important in anybody's world, but especially when a gay man has gone through what he's gone through, and, and you're very similar to what I went through, I didn't go through true conversion therapy, but it doesn't make you feel safe. And when it doesn't feel safe to be who you are, then you don't really begin to deal with call it issues, challenges, any of that stuff. And I think the key that you just brought up is creating that safe container, that place where no matter who you are, or what walk of life you come from, that you can sit there and you can say, okay, these people are, they're making me feel good. They make me feel happy and comfortable that I can actually do and be the things I need to be to work through these challenges I'm facing. And a lot of gay men don't get that opportunity unless they give themselves permission to go do something like that. And I'm curious if you see that in the work that you've done, that when the men show up, it's either they're a little nervous most of the time, or they're like, yes, I'm finally doing this because this is important to me. I'm curious, how, how do the guys show up typically in these workshops? Is it a mixture of those two things or is there something else? Oh, well, they're, they're incredibly nervous. Um, yep. You can tell from the get-go. I think there's just the, the fact that, um, and, and, and it's one of the things that um, I try to focus in the way I, I communicate mm -hmm. these workshops because um, just, just showing up, it's a huge step for yep. them. I think that most of them don't show up because mm -hmm. they're really nervous about it. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting about how you talk about um, giving ourselves permission because I think that we tend to focus on on a consequence or what would happen if I did this you know and, and then we tend to have this image of what what would I be if I showed up in a certain way um, you know as a gay man to to society and yep. that, that just generates a lot of fear sure and therefore we decide to um, to just not show up mm -hmm. and I'm not talking about the workshops just in general not not show right. up to situations that will lead us lead for us to be better people mm -hmm. and um that's just that not showing up I, I see it as a deliberate as a deliberate practice of you know just just um 
as a deliberate lack of self-love, I would say, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. And it's this interesting space where to show up is very scary to show up as yourself, to show up in that space of, okay, I'm not going to care what somebody else thinks. I'm going to be me. If you haven't been through or lived in an environment where people gave you that, you know, where it's like, yes, I want you to be fully who you are. I want you to show up. And you've been filling your own head with, okay, well, this is what the expectations are, which we all live by expectations. I'm not saying this is some wonderful world that, you know, you or I create for these guys, but it's a space of just come in and to the best of our ability, we're going to work from a space of no expectations and no judgments. But the hardest part for most gay men, and I'm not saying lesbians don't have this or transgenders or bisexuals don't have it either, but it's that piece of, okay, can I really trust that you really aren't going to pass judgment? Can I really trust that you are going to just see me for who I am? And do I trust myself to fully show up as who I am? I think that's a bigger piece of this is how do I know to show up as who I am when I've been told for so long I can't show up as who I am? It's a huge conflict yeah. that I think happens for most of us. It's a huge conflict. And you've made a really good point on, on, on trusting myself because at the end of the day, I would ask you know, people who are um, probably listening to this and feeling a little bit nervous. It's, well, does it really matter if mm-hmm. we can trust the other people? I mean, you know, the, the most important thing is that we are able to show up. It doesn't, I don't think it really should matter um, whether... What, what perception are we going to generate? That's the first thing. And then the second thing is also thinking about if I, um, do, do I really know who I am if I haven't showed up? Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, you know, our sense of identity can exist in our minds, but it doesn't come to life until we don't live according to it. So a lot of the time, you know, when we talk about authenticity and being ourselves, well, you're not yourself until you are yourself. And, and if you don't show up in a certain way, well, you're not that. And a lot of the times, it's trial and error. We have an idea of who we are and we have an idea of what we want, but we won't be it until we step out and do it. And we're going to do it. And probably we're going to find that we're not entirely happy. And then we're going to make certain modifications and certain iterations until we find that spot where we feel comfortable. Yeah. So a lot of the time it's thinking, well, if I want to be who I really am, I just need to give it a go and do it over and over again until I find, you know, the sweet spot and I find, okay, well, this is really who I am. You can't mm-hmm. be it until you, you just put yourself out there. And this is a huge piece of the puzzle. <laughs> I think I remember when I was going through my coach training and, you know, in other areas of life, but I really hit home when I was getting certified as a coach and, the question came up, who are you? And at first I was kind of like, I think the way most people react, like, screw you. What do you mean? Who am I? I'm this guy. I do this stuff. Yes, that's part of the question. That's part of the answer. But when I started really going deeper and going, okay, am I just the gay man who came out late in life or are there some values and are there some beliefs that I hold to be true for me? that I've never revealed to anybody that I've allowed other people's expectations and the way I was socialized to show up and say, this is Rick. And the more I started to step into that and started to challenge those questions and those beliefs and going, okay, what do I really value? That's when I started to see this is who Rick really is. And it it 
took me to a space where I could stand in front of someone. And when they'd ask me who I am, I actually would say I'm the best version of myself I can be in each moment that I'm here. And sometimes that's going to be a guy who's really in integrity. Other times that's going to be a guy who can't keep from biting his tongue and lashes out in anger. But the real truth of who I am is that guy who gives himself permission to be in the moment who he's intended to be without second guessing or judging. Doesn't mean I'm always right. Doesn't mean I'm always good at it either. But it's such a big question. And I'm curious when you propose that question to most people, like, who are you? What are some of the reactions you get from that? Well, I think that you touched on a really good point on permission. Um, normally when people, um, when I ask people that question, they, they take a long time to answer. Mm-hmm. I can see that they have to go deep in thought and they have to really think it through. And that only tells me that that's because they haven't really practiced, you know, they haven't really um, put themselves out there enough. And that's because they haven't given themselves permission. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's not even permission to be who they are. It's just permission to try, you know, Mm -hmm. permission you know, just permission to be open to the possibility of. Or the the permission to explore. I mean, so much of what we do in life is, that you get asked a question and the, the human mind, the way I believe that we have been, you know, trained is as soon as the question get asked, it's like, I have to have an answer. And even if I, as I asked that question to you, I knew it was a question coming at you kind of, um, okay, he's not right. He's not going to know this is where I'm going, but there was a pause and most people go, Oh, the pause makes me so uncomfortable. No, the pause means you're actually giving yourself permission to go search for something that maybe you haven't searched for before, but it makes us so uncomfortable to be in that space because we're so accustomed to in the moment, snap, answer, snap. And even as you're talking while you're listening to someone else talk, you're already formulating what your response is going to be. And then they'll throw you a curveball. It's like, well, shit, they just went a different direction. So now I got it. It's so interesting to watch us. And then we wonder why we can't really go below the surface to who exactly am I? Cause we're so quick yeah. to processing. Yeah, that's exactly right. So in positive psychology, when you are working around in this arena, because I know a lot of listeners, I've had a couple of people talk about it um, on the podcast, but positive psychology isn't about be happy, be joyful. It's everything is good. That's not necessarily what it's really focused on, is it? No, not really. No. So basically, uh, positive psychology is a science of human flourishes and just um, it's really a science that measures things such as, you know, levels of satisfaction in life, hope, um, you know, um, how happy you feel with certain situations. But it's just more using science and psychometric assessments to measure the levels and, and also causing interventions in people's lives and saying, well, how am I going to focus on what's good so I can achieve what I want to achieve. I'll give you an example. So some, something that I do with my clients is that I, I make them, I, I'm a strong believer on people's strengths and mm-hmm. focusing on those strengths as opposed to weaknesses. So what we do is we do certain psychometric assessments mm-hmm. where they would get a, a list of the things that they are really good at. Mm-hmm. And what we do is coach, um, coach them to master those strengths so instead of focusing on, you know, what's wrong with you and how can we um, close those gaps, we focus on what's good with you and how can we make you a master 
on those abilities and use those abilities to get you where you want to go in life. And it happens that a lot of us or a lot of with, with gay men, a lot, a lot of our strengths, we tend to associate them with parts of identity that we either have repressed or that we're not very proud of or that we don't want the world to see. So we have, a, it happens a lot with things such as creativity, you know, or interests. We tend to just leave them on the side or we don't tend to exploit them because we're afraid of what people will think. And so I try to do a lot of work in saying, well, okay, well, if you're interested in being creative, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you need, that you have to turn from an accountant into a painter. Right. You know, not that, but how are we going to use your creativity in your, in your accounting job? Mm-hmm. Or how are you going to use your creativity in building better relationships for yourself? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's really what, 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 or the way I use positive psychology. And it's such a powerful space. And, um, what I've learned from the people I've been around in my world that are in positive psychology circles and practice and workshops and all that sort of stuff that they do. It is about the flourishing. I think so often when we try to do things, so I'll use an example of one of my clients who's really been struggling to like get back out on the dating scene and, you know, he's focusing on, you know, being in good shape. He's focusing on eating healthy, which are all great things. These are all pieces of the puzzle, so to speak. But then the moment he tries to get back out there, whether it's putting his, you know, information up on a dating site or going out with friends, mixing and mingling at a party or, you know, going to the bars, which is really the place that I'm like, okay, that's kind of like your last resort, buddy, to go hang out there. Mm. He starts to focus on, well, but, you know, I'm too old and, you know, I haven't dated anybody in six years and, you know, people look at me and they turn their head away. It's suddenly, it's all the stuff that's the negatives instead of focusing on, okay, what is it you do really well? So a few weeks ago we were having a conversation and he said, you know, I just have so many friends and I knew this and I've been waiting for him to like bring something like that up so I could see if I could like grab onto it with him and go And I said, so if you have so many friends, what makes you a good friend? And what is it that you do in friendships that makes you attract people? And he, you know, he started talking about it and I said, okay, so now what would happen if you took all those skills, those things that make you a good friend and attracts people to you from a friendship perspective and brings you joy by being in friendship? What if you took those things and started to focus on those things as a way to bring a man into your life. And he got yeah. really, really quiet because it was almost so simple, yet I knew it scared him a little bit. And his first words were, well, yeah, but friendships are different than dating. I'm like, um, I'm going to challenge you on that because if you're not if you're not a friend with the person you're trying to date and it turns, you know, you want it to go to a long-term relationship, it kind of have to be in a friendship with that person you're trying to build a life with. And it was just, it was very fascinating to me to watch him go through this. So I'm curious, as you have seen that, do you see similar things happen where people are like, wow, I know these, you know, the creative stuff or whatever. And then suddenly there's this moment where they're like, I didn't realize this was actually much kind of simpler than it needs to be the way we complicate things. Yeah. Absolutely. I've seen it. And I don't only have seen it as a coach. I've seen it as a gay man and I see it every day. I mean, I think it's something that it's very present, unfortunately, in, in our culture. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's that I call it a, that automatic disqualification, you know, like, hi, I'm Enrique. How are you doing? Nice to meet you. 
oh, I'm doing well, but you know, I'm not so fit or I'm not so fast or I'm not so smart. And you start hearing all these things. So sometimes I just stop people. And I said, well, why you, why disqualify yourself so quickly? You know, and, and especially, you know, I, I, and I tell my clients, imagine that you're on a date and you sit down and you start to eat dinner and the person you're dating, they start telling you how bad they are at work or how unfit they are or how incapable they are for certain things. Well, how are you going to feel after 15 minutes? Right. And almost always the answer is, well, I just want to leave. Well, why would I want to date some, someone like that? Mm-hmm. But thinking, well, then why, why behave like that? So, so I think it's that, that culture of automatic disqualification, which is stemmed from, from, from a lot of, um, it's from a sense of, um, it's from that sense of not, not being able to be myself. Yeah. So here's where the permission piece, you know, comes into mind and says, well, before I enter a room, any given room, before I enter, how am I going to step in? Am I going to step in feeling that I'm inferior than everybody else and that I'm going to be judged? Or am I going to step in? with the permission I'm giving to myself of I'm just going to give it a go, be who I am and see what happens. And I love myself. I believe in myself and whatever happens, it's going to be okay. So I'm just going to put my foot and the other foot across Mm -hmm. the door and I'm just going to be who I am and let's see what happens. And that's the experiment that we're going to run. And that's what I tell them. And it normally tends to give better a different perspective. Yeah. One of my favorite Instagram posts that you did recently was, I think you were dancing or it was about you being all sweaty in the kitchen and you know, whatever. And I was like, this is what it means to really like, just put it out there. And, and yeah. go, you know, it's like, what's the worst that can happen? And that's usually the question people go, Oh yeah, but what's the worst? I'm like, no, I, I want you to stay away from those kind of questions. I'm like, you're going to put this out there. You're going to be all sweaty. And it's funny. Cause um, I'll tell you in a minute why I laugh so hard at that one. But what, is, what would it be like to put it out there and go, okay, now what's the best possible thing that can happen by somebody seeing me be this sweaty mess and dancing and all this sort of stuff? Well, actually, it might be that somebody sees you and go, wow, if he can be that honest and out there, I wonder what he's like in person when we're just having a conversation. And too many people shy away from what's the best thing that can happen? And they go immediately for, oh, if I do that, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Or people are going to, suddenly we're in that whole negative spiral and then they don't do anything. And then they don't find their way to give themselves permission to do anything. And the next thing they're not doing is they're not making some big, bold move they really, really want to make. And of course, then they're miserable because they're not living life the way they really want to. And I think that the most important thing with these things is that, um, the other people, they only care a fraction or not even <laughs> care at all about what we do. So a yes. lot of the time, you know, we go thinking, well, what's the worst that can happen? And then I think that for that, the best thing is just to ask people. I mean, if you're really afraid of um, what other people will think of you or of the way you show up, just give it a go. Either mm-hmm. ask or don't ask, just be it and just see people's reactions. And I think that nine times or even more, nine point mm-hmm. five times yeah. ten. Yeah. you'll realize that people won't even notice. Right. You know, sometimes you think, oh, I'm going to wear this particular shirt or this type of, or these shorts or this particular clothes. And, you know, and people don't even comment because they just feel, oh, well, that's who they are. I'm, I'm not even going to, or people don't normally say anything if it's not to compliment. And if people are telling things that are negative, I would question the worth of hanging out with people who would mm-hmm. notice and things like that. So I, I just think that. The, the more you, it, it's deliberate practice, right? So you just have to do it over and over again, be yourself over and over again until yep. you first realize 
that what others think it's it's not really there and the other thing is that you understand who you really are and what you want in life yeah and i i just resonate so much with what you just said because one of the things that went through my mind as you were saying that is we give so much power to other people who really aren't even asking for it <laughs> they're not they're not waiting there going, okay, so give me permission to comment on how you look. Give me permission to comment about how stupid you are. And I, I, most of us aren't walking around going, okay, when Enrique comes on this podcast, I'm just going to wait for him to say something and, and then wait for him to like give me permission to criticize him. No, that's not. I'm here listening to what you're saying going, okay, cool. And too often, and again, I'm going to come back to our gay brothers, we give away so much power by the expectation of trying to fit in with someone and trying to be part of, you know, our gay culture in a certain way. And yes, certain groups, yeah, there's going to be certain groups that you try to fit in and some that you don't. But too often what I find is so many gay men give away all their power out of the expectation to fit in when they could actually fit in if they would just really be who they are. And if they don't fit in with a certain crowd, then guess what, boys? That's not who you're supposed to be fitting in with. Go find the crowd you're meant to be with. Find the circle of friends and, and let that be who it is. And um, so back to the sweating thing, <laughs> I sweat profusely all the time. That's just, you know, when things happen and whether it's I'm exercising or if I'm like cleaning the house and especially, especially when I go to get on stage and speak, I know this is one of those things. And I was in Tokyo doing my TEDx and in the middle of it, those who've seen it know that in the middle of it, I'm sweating and I made a joke out of it and pulled out a handkerchief and wiped my head. And it's just kind of become that signature thing I do. What's interesting yeah. though, is the more that I recognize and make it part of the acknowledgement, the less I sweat. It was in my own head that I'm thinking, Oh God, people are going to look at me. They're going to see this. They're going to see me sweating. And da, da, da. Okay, now I know this is part of who I am. I acknowledge it. And the more I let that be acknowledged, not like I walk in the room and go, okay, folks, I'm here for this party. I'm just letting you know, <laughs> I'm going to sweat like a pig here in about an hour. No, it's more I acknowledge within myself, okay, I know this is going to happen. So I make sure I have some handkerchiefs. I make sure that I watch what I'm drinking if I'm at a party, because I know that certain things that I drink, if I drink too much red wine, that's going to cause it to happen. It's all these interesting little things. But most people don't care. Most people aren't looking for this stuff that we all worry about. And especially, again, gay brothers, we put too much emphasis on what we think everybody else is going to think of us. And that's just not a way to live. It, yeah. it kills us. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think, Rick, that, you know, it's important to ask ourselves, well, why, why are we putting so much emphasis on what others think? Why do we care? And I think, and I thought, about it a lot. I have read books about it. And I think that at the end of the day, it's because we have this sense of, you know, we, we want to belong. We want mm -hmm. to fit in. We want to belong to something larger than ourselves. And that happens because we, you know, growing up or uh, at any given stage in our lives that we realize, okay, we're gay. We have to come out. We have to change drastically our lifestyle. Um, that sort of, that sort of, you know, comes with a feeling of, I don't belong where I am today. Mm -hmm. and I want to be somewhere new. And when we step into the gay world, we realize that we don't belong either. Right. And then, you know, belonging, it's about assessing a situation and becoming, or well, not belonging, but fitting in. Fitting mm -hmm. in it's about assessing a situation and um, becoming who you need to be to be accepted. And I think that 
a lot of us uh, become really good at this. You know, I assess the situation. I am someone who not to be accepted. We are accepted, you know, at work, mm-hmm. at school, you know, but that's not what, that, that fitting in is never going to give us a true sense of belonging. You know, mm-hmm. I think that belonging, it's a, it's, it doesn't require us to change who we are. Belonging requires us to be ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that's where the, that's where the true belonging happens. You know, like if I assess a situation and I change, I'm never going to belong. But if I just step into a room being myself and giving it a go and giving myself permission to be who I am, that's when people start to see us different. And that's when they start to engage, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance. And, and mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's a key, that's a key um, idea that people um, need to understand. And what you just said is really important. That sense of belonging is, is no greater than our sense of our self-worth. It's, probably the hardest thing for most of us to get past. But if you want to belong, you have to belong to yourself first. You truly have to belong to you. And so many people struggle with this, especially gay men, that I find it's helpful to have them define, tell me what belonging really means to you. And then they'll come back with, oh, you know, no, I know that. I know it means wanting to fit in, to have friends, but tell me what belonging really means to you. When you belong, what do you feel? What do you experience? Have you ever felt like you belonged? A lot of people don't feel like they belong, so they can't even describe what the feeling feels like. So then I'll say, okay, if you could describe what you believe the feeling of belonging would feel like, what would that be? And the most interesting, consistent answer I get is feeling secure. Belonging makes me feel secure. And so that's an interesting space to start to do the work with people, especially gay men, is what do you want to do that would make you feel secure? Now we're starting to get somewhere. It's like, let's work towards this. Let's step into this. What are these things that we define? And again, we say these words like, oh, I want to fit in or I want to belong. We're just scratching the surface. We haven't gone underneath. Okay, but what does that really mean to you? Belonging could be, I don't want to wake up in the mornings anymore and feel like I can't get through the day unless I've got a circle of people around me. Belonging would mean I wake up in the morning and I'm totally good if the entire day I spend it with myself. And these are these interesting layers that as we start to peel it back, and yes, and I know Enrique's going to agree with what I'm about to say, it takes work, but it's the work that you put into it for yourself, not yeah, for other people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think like, as in everything, you know, it's, it's, and it's something that I try a lot with my clients and it's, you know, let's do baby steps. Okay. So just think, okay, the meeting at work, just, I'm going to say, I'm going to talk about something that I like. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say something that, you know, something about myself, just one thing and just try to see how others react to it. And it's about showing up, giving yourself the permission, you know, during, during a meeting, if somebody makes a joke, well, I'm going to try and make a joke or something that I find funny and I'll just see, I'll just see what happens. Sometimes the, the, the result is favorable. Sometimes it's not. But I think that regardless, it's very liberating because that's, mm-hmm. that's when you start to discover your identity. And I think a key point to understand is that we can't be who we are until we, we are it. You know, we have to give it a go and we have to practice. And it's not something that comes out by speaking once. We just have to do it over and over again. And that's when we're going to find our, our true identities. 
I love that. I love that phrase that we can't be who we are until we are it. And that's a pretty deep thing, but the more you give yourself. And so here we go. We're going back to this permission piece. (laughs) The more you give yourself permission to go, okay, but what is my it? What is my who? What is it really? If I was the, you know, and the, the extreme thing that I do with clients a lot is, okay, I want you to just imagine for the moment, you are the only person on the planet. Who would you be? What would be your it? There's nobody else telling you, you get to do this. The planet is yours. Who are you and what is your it? And it's a really big question because it takes you just even as I say the question, and because I I've used this numerous times, even on myself, I know the mind starts to roll like, wait, you're telling me I can't have anybody else's influence on this or anything. No, you just get to go do this. That's where true permission comes to like, okay, I'm going to open up. I'm really going to go on this deeper exploration and figure this out and, and give myself that true permission to say, okay, I actually can do this. I can actually go do this without somebody else's influence. Yeah. So I'm curious, Enrique, before we wrap up stuff here, when you get this beautiful opportunity to work with gay men, especially gay men, since we're both kind of in that, we're both gay and we've done this work. Mm. What is the most common thing that you see that gay men struggle with? And I'm not talking about alcoholism and drug and I'm talking about what is something you see over and over when they show up to do this work? Is there some pattern you see? Is there a common feeling they have that, you know, you're like, okay, been there, done that, seen this. Is there something that really crops up for you? Yeah, I think it's, 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 it's very evident and it's an underpinning fear, uh, underpinning general fear of, um, of being ourselves, which really Mm -hmm. translates into a lack of self-confidence. Yeah. Um, but you know, the thing is that we are really good. I think gay people are really good in masking that and and like, we can't really see it a lot of the time. Um, but it's there and it's, you know, it's that fear of, you know, being ourselves and, 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 and people don't know who they are because they don't even give themselves the opportunity to, mm-hmm. to try. And, um, that's definitely the common denominator for <laughs> most issues. I think, and I think that that's sometimes it's a lot of a, it's a cause for some of the things that you mentioned as addictions and things like that, that they just go into a, into a threshold of, of, of probably more mental health related issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a lot of the time is that fear of, you know, not knowing who I am because I'm afraid of, of, of just being myself. And, and, and that stems from, a, you know, things like lack, lack of self-worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't think we're valuable. We don't think we're um, deserving of love and affection. We don't think that we're deserving of belonging. Yep. And then so we, we tend to do a lot of things and we do great things, to be honest, to, sure. um, to fill those gaps. So we become really... Uh, good professionals, we become, um, you know, great looking beings, we go mm-hmm. to the gym, you know, we buy really nice things, but, but you know, the, the, the only, and, and that's all fine, but the issue with that is that we start to put our value or our sense of worth in those mm-hmm. particular mm-hmm. things. So then, <clears throat> sorry, I become valuable because I have a great body or I have become valuable because I have great things or I become valuable because I'm really good at my job. But the thing is that what happens when these things goes away? What happens if I gain weight? Or what happens if I lose my job? Then I lose my worth. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's the big danger of, of falling into those traps. So it's I think so that, true. 
So yeah. true. In fact, I just had a conversation with a client who's struggling at this stage. And he's, if he's fairly, he's definitely fairly new coming out of the closet, but he has defined himself early on as somebody who's really good sexually. He's like, ah, I know I'm, you know, the guys always tell me I'm such a great, you know, lover and it's always great sex with me. And now suddenly he's hitting a wall because his own value system is kind of catching up to him. He's like, but I want more than just sex, but he's defined himself so much by I'm a really good lover and he's struggling to have a more intimate relationship with guys because he doesn't know how to do that. And what's so interesting about it is he actually did the same thing when he was married to his now ex-wife. He was good at doing the things he thought he was supposed to be good at, but he didn't know how to connect. Yeah, he was really good at sex with her too. He's really good at his job, but he doesn't know how to do the other stuff because all this other stuff defined him. And so we're in this interesting space now where we're working on him giving himself permission to be vulnerable and to go, if I'm going to be good at intimacy, what do I need to do? And he is dating a guy right now who's kind of challenging that. And, you know, he's like, yeah, they've been on a few dates. They've only had sex. Okay, they've been on six dates. They've only had sex once. And, of course, he's freaking out. I'm not a good lover. That's why he doesn't want to do it. But then what I hear is the guy he's dating saying, I'd rather just spend some time and let's have some nights just sitting on the couch holding hands and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And he is quote new boyfriend finally said to him just recently it doesn't always have to be about sex and my client didn't know what to do with that because he's defined so much of his life about i'm really good at sex and so now he's starting to learn back to our permission thing again to give himself permission to like go i don't know how to do intimacy i don't know how to focus on something else besides sex making money and holding these big positions and so that's where we're working right now is him giving himself permission to say, here's where I need help or here's what I don't know, or here's what I'd like to experience. And I think this is the power of when you shift in your world into that positive psychology sort of stuff of, okay, now let's look at what you are good at. Now, how can we take you being really good as a lover or good at your work? How do we bring that into these other areas of desire so that you can thrive in those areas as well? Hmm. Yeah, and I think it's important to ask yourself as well, if, if this thing that, that defines me, you know, if I didn't, if it wasn't there, who would I want to be? Mm -hmm. You know, and, that, and that a lot of the time that'll give us an idea of who we actually are. You know, if I didn't have my job, who did I, who did I want to be? Who would I want to be? Or if I didn't have um, the body that I have, who would I want to be? Mm -hmm. And that'll give, you, give us an idea of where to start from. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's fine to be to to have the things that we have, but it, it's we have to see them as as, just a, as a part of who we are. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of perspectives there. So awesome, yeah. absolutely. So as we wind up here, Enrique, first of all, I just I've enjoyed this conversation, and and I hope some of the guys that will listen to it, and ladies too. I know there's people listening, and and those heteronormative people that always listen to my podcast. I hope you picked up some stuff. I know there's stuff there that all of us can learn. But before we yeah. sign off here, if you were to like want to just give one last piece of insight to anybody who is struggling to be who they are 
what would be something you'd like to say or a starting point for them to start to explore that? I think um, if I could say one thing would be use every opportunity you're in front of a mirror to look at yourselves in the eyes and just to tell yourself that you accept yourself for who you are right now and that you're safe. Mm. I think that that's what I tell you. Nice. Nice. I think that's really great space for us to kick off into the new year, giving ourselves permission to use literally, as Enrique just said, every opportunity to look at yourself in the eye and let yourself know you're doing just fine and you've got everything that you have and need to go do that thing you want to do. So, um, And real quick before we sign off, we will have links to Enrique's website and everything you can get in contact with him. And trust me, trust me, trust me, you'll want to follow him on Instagram. It's one of the highlights of my days when I get to see his <laughs> Instagram posts. Thanks and uh, lot, it's really fun to just um, to watch the energy and the fun stuff that you put out there and the great wisdom. Um, it's been a joy of mine, you know, getting to know you through Instagram and now getting the opportunity to actually have this conversation. And uh, just, just thank you. It's mutual. Thank you very much, Rick. Yeah, so, all right, my friend, have a good day. Thanks for being on Life Uncloseted. And we'll be back with another episode in just a few days, folks. Take care. All right, there you have it. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end, but that's okay. We're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories, tips, tricks, and wisdom for helping you live your life uncloseted. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments if you like and if you believe in this podcast and share it with someone you know today. Share it from your phone, go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Maybe even give us a rating review because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life uncloseted. I'm Rick Clemens, host of the show and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.